Welcome to the Wild Podcast. Inspire people, support each other's growth, and create a meaningful life. That's the mission of this podcast, and I welcome you to the community. Since you are listening to this right now, I suspect that you are a curious soul who loves expanding your own horizon, learning about other people's authentic life choices, and getting inspiration to put into action what you are passionate about. My name is Tina Hebert, and today it's just you and me in an intimate conversation. I want to talk to you about something that sounds like something to strive for, but that really is a devil's brew. Perfectionism. Or, to give it a slightly different angle, the fear of not being perfect. This episode will be very meta, as I will talk to you about my fears in the creation process of this very podcast. And it will be really, really personal, which again, is very meta in the light of the topic. So what do I mean by the fear of not being perfect? Is it rereading an email you are about to send to a customer? Is it scrubbing your house in a frenzy before opening its doors to your mother-in-law? Is it studying the third book on photography before venturing out with your camera? We all know an example or two of perfectionism in our own lives or at the very least in our social environment. On the surface, it appears to be an innocent, sometimes exhausting, oftentimes helpful personality trait. Below the surface, though, it keeps books from being written, careers from being built, and lives from being lived fully. Perfection is the benchmark you can never reach. It is the inner voice that tells you to stay where you are. It is what drives you to spend your energy on things that are not important. It is what keeps you from making all the wonderful mistakes that push you to grow and expand. Although I dare to say that every one of us has had encounters in our lives with a self-imposed demand to do better at something before offering ourselves to the world, the fear of not being perfect is gendered to some extent. I would like to stress that I believe the world is more complex than a binary differentiation between men and women. There are genders and sexes between and beyond these two categories. And within these categories, people come with all sorts of psychologies, physical realities and biographies. Scientific research barely recognizes these complexities though. Most of the knowledge we have stems from the research that addresses differences between the simplified categories of men and women, assuming an alignment of sex and gender. And yes, on the foundation of these two categories, there are differences when it comes to perfectionism. I recommend the book Brave Not Perfect by Reshma Sajani to learn more about it, but here are a few examples. Studies have shown that women tend to apply more conservatively for jobs. That is, when they feel like they meet most or all of the criteria. They apply less likely for stretchy positions that are more senior than their current role. First, they need to show that they are waterproof in that position, right? Girls tend to be less encouraged in their childhood to try something that they haven't mastered yet. Boys are more likely to be celebrated for a failure since it means that they ventured out and tried to learn to do something. Girls, on the other hand, are more likely to be encouraged to stay safe and to be soothed when they experience a setback. 
girls are less likely to learn early on what failing at something feels like and how it is the road to eventually feeling comfortable with something and mastering it. Girls are more likely to be rewarded for being polite, accommodating, agreeable. Boys are more likely to be rewarded for having a strong own opinion, for seeking competition and not backing away from a confrontation. They might get some rolling eyes for it, but later in life, they are the ones who get the job, who are being listened to because of their perceived strength. Trying to be perfect by all means, to avoid being seen while attempting a new skill miserably, to be liked by everyone at all times, is rewarded in the short run and punished in the long run. It's a honey trap. And the more we teach our environment that they can expect us to be polished and perfect, the harder it becomes to have the dirt and daring come out of us. I want to share with you my very own example of the harm it can cause when I impose the demand on myself to be perfect at a thing. It is something that I just recently realized and that had been an eye-opener. One I want to share with you in this podcast because it concerns the podcast itself. So, first of all, I'm pretty proud of myself because this podcast is something out of my usual pattern, something that I had absolutely no clue about when I started it, and it didn't bother me a bit. When it hit me that this podcast was something that was spot on my mission, I felt such certainty that I just put one foot in front of the other. Well, that didn't keep me from temporary overwhelm, of course, but at least it kept me from not doing what was right. So I taught myself what equipment and software I would need, how to record and edit a podcast, how to get it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Co., what an RSS feed was, how to build a website with WordPress, how to obey to German data protection laws so as not to get sued, what that weird Instagram thing was all about and how to create nice little graphics for it. In case you followed closely, you heard and saw a steep learning curve there. Sorry, not sorry. Had I practiced in private until I felt perfect enough and ready to put myself out there? Well, you'd still be waiting. Because guess what? I am still learning and there's so much more out there to master. The more I learned and dared things, the stronger my sense of purpose grew. The more efficient I became and the more professional my podcast and its online appearances felt. Of course, I have the constant nagging feeling that I'm not doing enough. I compare myself to other podcasters, how often they publish, how many social media channels they play on, how big their audiences are. As a result, I set very high expectations for myself and hustle my way forward. But these pressuring thoughts are sitting on the passenger seat and they do little to keep me, the driver, from going where I am headed. This is a great lesson for me and an example I need to lean on to for other areas in my life. But then, <laughs> I need to admit to you and to myself that I discovered I still let my fear of not being perfect hold me back and sabotage me. In fact, it is this very fear that prevents me from becoming better at what I'm doing. Let me try and explain to you what I mean. I can sense this fear of not being perfect speak to me when I am feeling too uncomfortable 
around the possibility to put my face onto a social media post. When instead, I choose to create pretty graphics showing stock photos and non-personal texts. It also speaks to me when I rather refrain from sharing personal information during a podcast interview while encouraging my interview partners to be vulnerable and naked. All the while making up the excuse that this is not supposed to be about me, that I am simply here to create a space and a canvas for that other person and their wild story. Well, it's true that I do not aim to make this podcast about me personally. Yet, there is a difference between a piece of information that does not need to be shared because it does not serve the purpose and a piece of information that I am too afraid to share. An important difference. Learning to know which case applies opens up the gate to true, honest communication. So, let's analyze what my underlying fears are here, shall we? When it comes to social media, there are several aspects. First, I really like pictures of myself enough to put them on the internet. And when it comes to a project like this podcast, I perceive this to be a professional undertaking. And I compare myself to all the other people out there who use their faces all the time for their cover artwork, for their podcasts, for videos on YouTube, for their Instagram posts. Smiley, beautiful, perfect faces on professional shots. I know that people love to see the person behind a project. They want to know what the world looks like through their eyes, what their mundane experiences are what the backstory behind a creation like a podcast is. I know that because I love that too. After all, why should I devote my time listening to someone if I have no clue about who they are, how they live, what they value, whether or not I would like them in real life? Yet here I am thinking that this magically does not apply to this podcast. I don't need to make myself vulnerable for this podcast for bold, authentic people, right? But what exactly is there to fear? Do I back away from personal accountability? If no one knows who I am, then this podcast does not have anything to do with me in case there is negative feedback? Do I think that if I hide behind my voice, I won't have to feel it in case this podcast is a fail or People think it's naive, bad, or whatever version of not meeting their expectations. I don't know. All of it, I guess. So what will it cost me if I continue hiding? Wild is all about being raw, being open, being vulnerable, being okay the way you are and with whatever story you come. Authenticity is not supposed to be a side effect. It is... The core. So hiding myself is not the best way to honor this mission, is it? And I know that you, the audience, will sense the incongruence, consciously or subconsciously. So as a result, I lose your trust. I lose the chance to really, really connect with you. I lose your invitation to enter your world with the stories the wild community has to offer and to make an impact on your life. It's much too big a sacrifice. I want to give you another example of this fear of not being perfect. It also shows when I'm nervous before each interview. 
when I'm trying to control how the conversation goes, what road it will follow. When concentrating on having the best, smartest, sharpest question in hand any second that my interview guest ends their last sentence. So what is the fear behind this tension that I experience? I ask myself. Well, I think in part it is FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like missing a clever turn in the conversation, missing to dig deeper into something that is important about a story. There's also the fear of not being able to meet my own expectations, such as being really attentive, proving my honest interest in someone's story, giving my partner in conversation the feeling that I appreciate them. Also, I expect of myself that I ask good, beyond superficial questions that make them think about something they haven't yet, so that this way I could eventually give value to them instead of only directing their answers, making them do all the work for me, but nothing in return. Also, when asking someone to have a conversation with me for the podcast, there is always something that I personally celebrate about that person. Something that I deeply value, that I find inspiring. Something that I absolutely want to share with others so that they too may see how wonderful this human being is. That's why I put myself under pressure to really convey to others what I see in this person. And I fear that I might fail at that. That I might not be able to ask the right questions or give that person the space to shine. So somehow, and you may laugh at me for that, I think that by just preparing myself enough or being tense enough, I will enhance the chances of serving my audience and my guests right. Again, what does all this keep me from? You might have read that between the lines already as I spoke. Bizarrely, these fears and my resulting tension before and during an interview put me at risk to manifest the very things I'm desperately trying to avoid with my controlling mindset. How can I be completely attuned to the person in front of me and get all the nuances of their message if I'm worried about how I perform? If I'm trying to think of the next clever thing to say while the other person is not even finished with sharing the aspect that I try to respond to? How can I find the promising unexpected turns in the conversation, the ones I would really love to dig deeper into, if I'm busy listening to the chatter in my own mind? Or if I have already built a concept, an expectation around what these cues might look like. How can I make someone sense how much I empathize with and appreciate them if I seem absent or tense or robotic? How can the conversation bloom and convey its full value to others? How can it be an authentic, raw moment in time if I try to force it into something that I think would be best? And why... After all, with the responsibility to turn this moment into something valuable for others, rests on my shoulders alone. It is a shared venture, a dance between me, the person in front of me, the listeners, and all other momentary ingredients that make this beautiful concoction. Seriously, I am really not that important in the universe, and I may relax more. <laughs> so... I have already had an encounter with this lesson before. 
It was during my coaching training with the Coaching Institute in Melbourne, Australia, that I had been confronted with this slap-in-the-face statement by one of the trainers. Worrying about how I perform in a coaching session as a coach is a seriously selfish act and nothing else. Boom. Okay. I gave it a thought and saw that they were right. When I am coaching someone, thinking about the next question while my coachee is sharing their thoughts really is making it about myself rather than about my coachee. However, the coachee absolutely should be the most important person in my universe at that time. Worrying about how I might come across, that I might potentially make a mistake, whether or not I'm being my best self and giving enough value to the other person, really has a negative effect on how much value I'm actually capable of giving. In a coaching situation, during a podcast interview, in any conversation in life that is supposed to be devoted to the other person and not about myself. Full stop. The best way to serve in a coaching situation or a podcast interview is to really not give an effing thing about what I do, how I sound, whether I um too much, whether I make grammatical mistakes in my non-native language, whether I pose the smartest question or whether I'm able to lead the conversation in the right direction. The best way to serve is to be curious, to let go of expectations or the need to go somewhere specific, to allow the situation to take a different turn, to allow everything that happens just to be there and to stay there. I stress stay here because after the conversation is over and I go about my editing process, the need to be perfect presents its most neurotic face. It is when I spend hours and hours editing and cutting ums out or pronunciation errors or grammatical mistakes or confusing nonlinear sentences. Everything that is alive, basically. And don't get me wrong, editing is a good way to create an artistic, pleasant audio experiences for you, and I will keep on doing that. But it all depends on the why behind my editing efforts. Am I doing it for you? Or, for me, for my fear of not being perfect. That is the difference. So where does all this leave me? Thinking this through gave me greater clarity. If I keep on allowing my fear of not being perfect to direct my actions from the underground, it will cost me greatly. And I don't buy into that. I don't want to refrain from reaching out to wonderful future interview partners or listeners Just because I worry that this podcast might not be good enough, significant enough, or worthy of their time. I don't want to leave half of the potential of the interviews untapped because I am holding back or being too controlling. I don't want to be wasting my time and energy on things I tell myself I need to do, while letting my mission and its core aspects drift out of focus. I don't want to work and to-do list myself into this podcast becoming a chore rather than what it actually is, a passion, a joy, an outlet for creative energy, something I built to be bigger than myself and a source of value for others. I don't want you to be bouncing off a wall of impersonal, impenetrable, perfectionist communication. It's very simple. I want you 
to be inspired, to be raw and self-accepting, to make bold and authentic choices, to live a wild life on your terms. So I need to learn to be a better role model. I am on this journey with you and I'm sure I can learn as much from you as you may learn from me or my guests. So I guess I need to embrace the possibility of making mistakes, of falling short, of missing out on an opportunity. I need to embrace the possibility of saying something funny or doing something awkward. And I need to embrace to get real and personal with you so I can invite you to do the same with me. Vulnerability is our language of connection. And I am a keen learner. I want to become fluent in vulnerability. And I also want it to become my roadmap to navigate the fear of failure. Though, when it comes to this podcast, is it even possible that I can fail with this? Well, it all depends on how I choose to define the bar for success. When will I regard this podcast as successful? When will I, as the creator, be enough? Do I need to catch the interest of more listeners? Do I need to compete with other podcasters on the number of Instagram followers we have going for us? Does Wild Podcast give more value if it is a couple of hundred or thousand or ten thousand people listening to an episode? And is there really less value given if this podcast can help make an impact on the lives of only a dozen people? Famous vulnerability researcher Brene Brown once said, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. I like this quote because it is in line with something I recently realized. I still need to consistently apply this lesson in practice though. The realization that there is no need to hustle for the wrong things. I choose to honor my commitment to this podcast and to you, Wonderful Wild Community, by focusing on giving the maximum value in the minimal amount of things. If I'm capable of having 90% of what I do hit the core values and be aligned with the true mission of Wild, this is powerful. It is way more powerful a goal to strive for than to ramp up the amount of content I publish or of the marketing activities I do in order to get more exposure. And I'm pretty sure you won't be bored while waiting for new wild content to come out. I reckon you'll already have enough other wonderful podcasts out there to listen to, blog posts to read, and interesting pictures on social media to entertain you during your toilet breaks. I do not need to be perfect in order to be aligned with Wild's mission. In fact, I need to be willing to be imperfect, to invite all that I am, all that I don't yet know, all that I can't control, all that I fear, all that I'm trying to wing while staying connected with my curiosity. And so should you. Going full circle to the beginning of this episode, it would be a loss if due to your fear of not being perfect, your book was kept from ever being written, your career was kept from being built, your life was kept from being lived fully. If you stay where you are, tensing up in need for control, in fear of letting people see that you are a work in progress. You'll never know just what your vulnerability would unleash. I have started writing a book on daring to live an authentic life and I tell you, it's a messy, scary, 
imperfect endeavor. This podcast and the stories of our wonderful guests and the teachings that they offer are a great source of inspiration for it. If you want to share your ideas on letting go of perfection, on radical realness, on vulnerability and authenticity, please do so on the blog on www.wild.one, on Instagram or Facebook. If our mission and our content add value to your life, share us with your friends, family and strangers. Help us spread the word by subscribing to our Following Wild podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is really not about the big numbers, but it is about spreading the word to people you care about and giving other people the chance to connect to the wild community and benefit from our stories. But really, the greatest gift you can give to us, please live wildly. <laughs>